0: So, hello again. Hi, everyone. It was not uh, so long ago that we were here, some of us, at least. And, um, yeah, so we made it a little series with this week and uh, next month. So this series, uh, you know how in the, um, in the Buddhist teaching there's so many lists, huh? so many of, of them. And, um, and they they really encounter each other a lot but uh, so I, we choose this particular list to explore it's the, the it's uh, the qualities of the heart and so in the teaching there's four qualities of the heart um, that we talk about and we'll, we'll I'll talk about this uh, uh, later today but um, I the thought I had was today because we're exploring uh, f- uh, Benevolence, or friendliness, or loving kindness—this is one quality, in my mind, at least—and and compassion. That we could uh, do the the, the meditation. The, the the meditation could be guided, both of them, and one around more the uh, quality of the heart of metta, or metta is a Pali word for uh, loving kindness, and the other one. Uh, later today do another one on compassion so that we can actually explore them in real time you know not just the ideas about it but the the felt sense of it going to visit this and so you know how the mind and the heart is uh, sometimes flexible or fluid or pliable or malleable is certainly one uh, way that I talk about this and it's in the teaching how you can, you can suggest something to the mind and, whoops, it reacts, you know, like, oh, we could be kinder here. Well, and, you know, suddenly we speak a little bit more kindly and sometimes we think like, oh, I could be more kind here. And uh, no, <laughs> we keep being harsh, you know. And so sometimes the mind is fluid and sometimes it's rigid. So today it <coughs> might be anywhere in between these two, I don't know if they're extremes, but, uh, you know. So when we practice uh, loving-kindness, uh, this might not be what we're going to find or what we're going to be in- able to invite or produce, or it might actually be the the opposite, quite the opposite, and be in the middle of irritation for the whole f- 20 minutes of the <laughs> meditation. And so not to judge oneself if that's what's happening. In this practice, we consider this as a... Um, maybe as um, purification so this is what arises because that's what's there you know and so it needs to be attended to it needs to be allowed here we're in a safe space or rather safe space no, where uh, we can actually allow ourselves to feel what we feel it's not so much as nourish it if like resentment arises in the heart or old, old, old stuff it's not so much to be entranced by it and go in there, but just to acknowledge, oh, this is how it is, the heart is uh, heavy, or it's disconnected, I don't feel the tenderness or the the friendliness or the benevolence, it's it's not accessible today, that's how it is, that's how it is right now, can that be okay? So not to, uh, because it would be like, uh, really like a, a wrong curve, a wrong turn in the practice if one was going to use the practice to beat oneself up. You know, come on, everybody's loving, and you're not. This is the thing today, get on with (laughs) It just doesn't work like this, does it? Yeah. So so we'll see what's going to arise, knowing that what's going to arise is something that can be known, you know, that can be known in a non-judgmental way. One of the, kind of the most... um, I don't know if it's basic or real or... Um, certainly one of the description or translation of the word metta, loving-kindness, is uh, one of the, the... That I like a lot is non-hatred. Mm-hmm. So it's, to me it's it kind of makes it really... Um, M- might be more accessible, you know, because love, producing love, is like, oh my God, I'm already <laughs> exhausted, you know, or it's already so not moi, you know, to produce love, you know. But non-hatred, oh, that, you know, it's more like transparent, it's not like kind of juicy, what is the kind of word one would use in, in English, like wishy-washy, <laughs> or like, I love everyone, you know. It's not like this, non-hatred is a, I, f- I see it as linked to um, kind of respect for humanity I kind of like like I, I respect sensitivity of being. I might not love you right now, but i I respect the fact that you have the right to not be abused you know and so there's something very basic about this like although I'm really angry at you, I'm actually uh, gonna have this basic non-active hatred you know like do you see what i mean i don't know if i'm using this well but like i remove the intention to hurt you you know although i would really like <laughs> pay for what you've done or haven't done or haven't said you know like i'm gonna remember that you're a human being and you have the right to protection you know and safety so something like this and um, and there's a classic way to practice metta where we think of, and you might know this or not, but where we think of somebody and we send wishes of well-being to this person. It might be ourselves or somebody else. And in the teaching, there's a kind of a progression where we send uh, uh, first loving-kindness or wishes of well-being to somebody who's... Um, inspiring to us or a benefactor sometimes is the title we give to that kind of category. Uh, so we choose somebody who's seen us have helped us along the way, have meant something for us, inspired us and we just send wishes of well-being because it usually flows better and then in our practice over the years or the month we start sending wishes of well-being to uh, good friends and maybe partners and maybe uh, neutral people people and maybe difficult like difficult cases (laughs) in our lives and maybe to end up with even sending wishes of well-being to enemies which is uh, not uh, the easiest thing to do so that's a kind of a classic uh, way to practice that practice in Buddhism came later than the Buddha the Buddha's practice of uh, sending wishes of well-being didn't didn't have this form of like the categories and sending you know seeing the person it came later it came uh, i'm always i checked and i forget again i it came a thousand or a thousand five hundred years after the buddha where there's this uh, monk buddha gosa came and he kind of reorganized the teaching in a systematic way Mm -hmm. and so he that was the type of person he, he was, you know, so he said, like, let me organize, this messy, <laughs> like, loving, loving, let, let's do it in an order that's going to, like, <laughs> so he organized it like this, which works really well for some of us, and for some of us, not so well, you know, for me it's worked really well, but there's many ways to uh, practice meta loving kindness, actually, we all have our own uh, indi- indigenous, could I say that, ways of practicing it, our in own spontaneous. Inherent. Inherent, maybe. Uh, uh, Creative, spontaneous uh, ways to practice uh, loving kindness or experience it. Maybe we don't call it practice, but certainly experience it. And so this uh, meditation I'm going to guide right now is one of the many forms it could take. And uh, it's, uh, it's a little bit linked to the actual first discourse of the Buddha, what we call the first discourse on metta, where the, the Buddha, uh, talking to uh, uh, practitioners, talked about the importance of, uh, of metta. And maybe we'll look at this sutra, this, this talk, in, uh, in a few minutes. But I thought what I could do is, a um, num- number of years ago I sat at um, a three-month retreat... And uh, one of the assistant, I think at that point, Damaruwan uh, was uh, singly, Is that the way we say it in English? Person from Sri Lanka. And uh, and uh, he was assisting. He's, he's now a teacher since many years, but at that point he was, I think, assisting on the retreat. And um, for three months, every evening before going to bed, he would sing. Um, he would sing a chant in Pali, uh, <coughs> the, the actual uh, uh, discourse of the Buddha in Pali, but with a melody that was from Sri Lanka. And the, f- the interesting thing about uh, Damaruan, and you can actually look him up and find what I'm going to tell you online, is when he was about five years old in uh, Sri Lanka, he, uh, he started spontaneously... Uh, singing old discourses of the Buddha, apparently that nobody had taught him, nobody knew the melodies, and he was just, and he was being recorded, and now you can find it actually on the internet. Little Dhammaruruan was now uh, my age, I think, uh, an old man. And... and, uh, and, But you can hear the little voice of him uh, uh, chanting this, and he taught us that chant. And he said that he remembers another life. He remembers in another life being one of the monks with Buddha Gossa. So 1,000 or 1,500 years ago. And uh, so he remember uh, learning uh, the chants and the discourses of the, the Buddha. So it's, there's something very particular. You don't know, is it true, not true? There's something strange about it, something strange and beautiful because he does this very naturally. And now he's a grown-up when I... He taught us that chant. He was a grown up. But hearing the voice uh, of this little boy chanting long discourse, pieces of discourse of the Buddha, and you go back in the text and you can actually find these discourses. And so this one, it starts with an homage to the Buddha. And then I'll just, just a few words to put it, put us in the kind of the mood. And then we'll go in the meditation. So if you want, you could close your eyes if it feels, if it feels, like it's something you want to do or not and I, I do this very humbly I've, in my family there's no culture of singing and so I kind of get terrified of doing it and I don't know how it sounds but it's, uh, in, uh, you know, le- hopefully <laughs> something will transpire so, first there's a three homage to the Buddha, the Blessed, the Awakened One, and then we go into the Sutra, and later I'll maybe read it or chant it in English. I won't do the whole thing, but just a little bit. Namotasa <laughs> Bhagavato. Arahato sama sambuddhasa. Namo tassa bhagavato. Arahato sama sambuddhasa. Namo bhagavato. Arahato sama sambuddhasa. Yaraniyam mata kusalena yantam santam padam abhisamecha sakko ujjucha sujucha suachucha su sa mudu anatimani santu sakkocha subarocha apakichokcha salaukauti santindri nipakocha cha kule su ananugido hontu Sukhi tata. So, if you want, with your uh, imagination, you could uh, you could imagine that the space in front in front of you, imagine or feel or make the space in front of you space of uh, safety space of uh, non-harming non-violence so whatever space in front of you are wide or small near to you or larger field Imagine if this was, or make this with your intention, a space of safety, of benevolence, a space that you offer that you benefit from also, creating this space of non-abuse, peaceful space. You offer this and also get to experience it. And it might be that this benevolence uh, radiates from your heart or belly, the whole uh, front of your body. might be just accessible because being created by others here in this room, suddenly this rooms become safe. Or safer. And you're breathing in the air from this kind of space. breathing out in that nonviolent peaceful space want you could imagine also the space behind you as a f- space of safety of care caring environment in front and behind you you offer you make the space non-harming space. Anyone that is in this space is uh, protected. You're offering protection. or even anything that would cross this space, any thoughts that would appear in front of you would be received with calm and care and non-reactivity. Sounds and impressions of the mind can cross this space. you as close by or further away as you want as you feel and on the sides too if you want all around you offering care (coughs) benevolence (coughs) goodwill below you also non hatred so you can rest in that space even below you, so all around you, may be emanating from your body, from your intention, safety, care, goodwill. So you can rest in this space. (coughs) And if you want also the inner space, space around you, but the space inside of you, the infinite space inside of you, Let it become great, maybe velvety, black, benevolent space. Gracious and caring, benevolent, where the, breathe, the breath can relax. There can be letting go in the out breath, nourishment in the in breath. both offer the space and benefit from it thoughts can come through images of pe- people you know any feeling can be there it can be allowed to pass through Could be nothing in there. Just this caring or loving, friendly space. let yourself also receive the space that is offered by people around you, their intention Allow yourself to be, uh, to rest in that benevolent inner space and outer space, filled with compassion and care. Field of uh, loving awareness, kind awareness, a friendly awareness. Allowing for life to be just as it is right now, caring for what's arising, allowing it to be known fully. One teacher talks about complete. Tenderness. Take many forms, and for you it might take the form of almost an ordinary space, but with the clarity of the intention of non harming, non judging. It might take the color or shape of a tenderness, care. Small or vast. <coughs> and this might happen in the middle of a light heart, joyful heart, or in the middle of a heavy heart or broken heart. Or a light body, bubbly or quiet or tired, or broken, or aching. Space, you meet sounds with care, you meet the breath with care, your thoughts or mind state with great care. Not rejecting, not hanging on to anything, just feeling the texture, the weight experiencing life with care. thank you for your practice. So that's, that's a way that I like to practice um, metta or benevolence, is the way it's been taught to me by some of my teachers. I'm thinking of Sylvia Borstein and Jack Kornfield who talk a lot about the careful awareness, a caring awareness. And so I like to just sit and create a field of... Um, to me, it has a sense of safety, and maybe when I say this, it might trigger something else in you, especially if you've experienced unsafety, you know. The word safety might might be a trigger, and so you want us to learn how, you know, how to invite, uh, you know, what words are helpful, conducive, you know. I remember that first when I was practicing and I were talking about love, like my heart would close, and like, oh no, that's too big, that's too juicy. Like a sort of friendliness for me was a good way into to this. Um, and uh, I was reading uh, lately a, a beautiful book from a, a woman, Zenju, Earthling Manual, and she. Uh, the title of her book is something like "Complete Tenderness," which is her name in her that she was given, Zenju, Complete. I think, tenderness. And she's talking about, for her, uh, how much love she had to bring to... um, uh, The whole book talks about uh, gender, sexuality, and uh, race. And uh, she was speaking about how much, uh, for her, the awakening of the heart had to go through uh, a complete tenderness for her experience as a black uh, lesbian, you know, and how how the the world had been so harsh on her, you know, and how her awakening had to go through, her awakening or the opening of the heart had to go through, uh, maybe that's more of an expression of compassion, great compassion, care for the, Or doorway in was the, the difficult, the painful, you know, and... Um, Yeah, so we all have our different ways into that field, you know. I remember uh, when they were teaching us the classic way, start with a benefactor, send love to a benefactor, you know. Uh, One of my friends would say, I tried, but it didn't work for me. What tried for me, and I did it secretly without telling my teachers, but it worked, is there was... I couldn't do it to human beings, not even to animals, but there was a lake that I really, really loved and cared for and that, that brought, brought me a lot of nourishment and I swam in in the summer and so I started to send loving-kindness to the lake and then to, that was my way in, you know. And I thought it was absolutely valid, whatever opens the heart, you know, and gives, gives one access to this <coughs> wish that we have for the well-being uh, of ourselves or others. Yeah? Um, and so the four qualities that we're visiting in these two, um, they're called the Brahma Viharas, the, the uh, divine abodes is one of the translation of this. And uh, the story I, I heard was that at the time of the Buddha, uh, in the Brahmanic tradition, they would say like the kind of paradise or ultimate way to what was the, the highest goal maybe was to go and live with Brahma or merge with Brahma and maybe as a place or something later and the Buddha which brought a little twist to the the, the to the culture of the time would say the Brahma Vihara the, the abode of Brahma where hang, Brahma ha, uh, hangs I'll tell you where it is the world of Brahma is the world of care is the world of uh, friendliness of a benevolent mind this is the Brahmavihara if you want to experience paradise it's not a place it's a state of mind bring in the field of your being it's always welcomed in the Buddhist psychology we say kindness not niceness kindness which is the wish for the well-being of self and others is always welcomed in the field is never detrimental to any situation And so, uh, and it's also said that it's a natural state of the heart when it's not visited or encombré in French like uh, uh, cluttered or by uh, misunderstanding of life which brings visitors such as envy, comparing mind, despair, uh, reactivity, hatred, uh, etc it says that when the mind has been cleared f- from misunderstanding it's naturally radiant naturally responsive these are the qualities that is uh, given to the human mind when they say heart it's the heart mind huh? in uh, in uh, in uh, in the teachings it, uh, the pali word is citta citta is heart mind it's it's not separate they were it's uh, and it talks about resonance can actually feel. You know, sometimes in Buddhism we think it might be associated wrongly with uh, detachment, like kind of indifference kind of states. And as I practice, and the more voices of practice, of Dharma I hear, and the more I practice, it feels very, very different than indifference and detachment. It feels like intimacy, closeness with non-reactivity, which shows up as care. And so the four brahma viharas the four abodes of brahma in the, in buddhism are first the friendliness kind of i see it as the basic friendliness where one comes in a situation wanting it to go well wanting it wanting the best for everyone you know so it can be uh, i think of goodwill benevolence loving kindness is the word that's been used a lot when the loving kindness meets the difficult It becomes compassion. It's this special caring, this special capacity to care for what is difficult, to stay, to be in the difficult without shrinking, collapsing, paralyzing, but to stay engaged in a balanced way in order to relieve suffering. So compassion is also the action that one takes to uh, lessen or uh, end suffering. And the next time when we uh, come together again, I'll talk about the two other qualities that are also part of these four divine abodes. The other one is uh, joy, or the capacity to rejoice to what is, uh, what is beautiful, what works, success, uh, good fortune. And you see how these are related, how they, they really need each other, huh? So the benevolence needs the compassion because there's so many difficulties in this life for us and for others. And the uh, benevolence needs the rejoicing because if we were just with the compassion side, for say, just the, the suffering, it would be exhausting. We couldn't. We have to have the capacity to meet uh, in a wholesome way what is beautiful and not fall into uh, envy or comparison, but really like, wow, this is going well for you wow, I can really rejoice. Not easy. And there's an overall quality that is called equanimity. Many of you know that quality. So that quality is the stability of the heart, the heart that doesn't go in the extreme of despair, reactivity, wanting, exuberance, being so high that one cannot connect with reality. And so equanimity helps balance so we can really feel. So, so it, gives, um, it gives strength, depth, duration, breath to all the others. Yeah? Otherwise our loving kindness or care or sometimes it's uh, translated as unconditional love is not very unconditional. It's very conditional. I'll love you if you, and now that you didn't, I don't love you and I'm going to show it to you not in words, but in cold shoulder and other techniques that I know well. <laughs> yeah. And so this, we can see, is also a practice. It's a natural state of the heart. Maybe but It's also something that can be developed, that we can cultivate. One important aspect of the practice is the words of the Buddha when he says, what, you, what one uh, often reflect upon becomes uh, the tendency of the mind. And so that's why we take it on as a practice of loving kindness, of caring. We say, oh, I'm going to use my mind in this way instead of having my mind as often it is certainly for me, my mind is like looking for trouble. And if there's nothing, it's kind of boring, there's nothing to hate or have an opinion about or want to get, you know, I'll go in. You know, if my radar outside my eyes, my ears becomes radar, find something to not like or have an opinion about. If it doesn't happen outside, like I'm in bed and there's not so much stimulation, I'll go in, let's go, find <laughs> something to not be happy about from the past. You know? And so in this practice, then we would say, like, actually, what? Like being in the subway, you know, I could be in the subway and judge people people, they're like this, you know, (laughs) this one or that one, and say like, oh, let me consider this life with my imagination, yeah, yeah? Actually, the quality you're talking about in in business, they call that creative dissatisfaction. It's somebody, everything is running smoothly in the office, but they're the person that will say, well, you know, this could be better, and they create a new way of doing things, so it's actually a very positive quality in, in business yes in, so, Vietnam, I don't know so <laughs> in the buddhist uh, in the buddhist psychology it says it's welcome anywhere so in the work <laughs> environment you imagine it's and creative the, one of my uh one of my thanks one of my uh, uh good uh, colleague a good friend and go- a good teacher winnie Nazarko, she does this exercise with people and i love it. i i think it makes it very tangible and will do it and she says uh Just imagine being in your your psyche, sitting somewhere, waiting for something, or practicing meditation. Imagine uh, that uh, mind, that experience, without any benevolence whatsoever, none. No goodwill, no benevolence, no... Like, what is the experience of this in the psyche, in the heart, in the body, where there's not access to any of it? It's a very painful situation to find oneself in. Now, imagine Mm -hmm. the same sitting, the same waiting somewhere, the same I don't know what, you know, just in that kind of body, psyche field, and infused in that uh, benevolence, care, uh, you know, goodwill. Just, I think, I don't know if it is for you, for me, it becomes really palpable. Of course, it changes everything, you know. Imagine a sick body, or imagine. uh, you know, and there is an infusion of care, of tenderness, of whatever is the word for you or the felt mm. sense, mm. mostly. Mm. Yeah. And then she says, Imagine a relationship, one, just two people. So we extend the, this, this little field to include somebody else. Imagine the relationship with <laughs> somebody, remove, and we have examples of this maybe in our lives, you know, remove from ourselves and the other in the field any love, or care, or consideration, or benevolence, remove this, what happens? Extremely dry, scary even, like we don't even want to think about this, maybe like, oh no, I don't want that. And then in the same field, think of the same person even, that you might have uh, in mind, if you have somebody in mind, in the field between you and this person, infuse just a little care just a little consideration, a little, yeah? Suddenly, uh, in Buddhist psychology, we say, this is the fluid of the mind. This is what makes things, uh, cohesion, happen. Otherwise, without it, it breaks. Things break, like hatred makes things break apart. And love, or care, or uh, non-hatred, will help things mend, come apart, uh, come together, heal. Yeah? And so we can imagine this also in a community. Sometimes I do this on retreat because on retreat we're together a group of people. Sometimes there's a hundred people for like a week together in a small space. And I say to people, think about this: us being in the small space, like having to negotiate the same one fridge, <laughs> the same and the same four toilets, you know, and and the same little space to drop all the. Coats and jackets in winter, and the boots, and remove any benevolence and goodwill from that. This is an awful place, here. and then infuse a lot of this. Suddenly, people let others put their boots, and you know, and and the whole thing suddenly starts to move in a very different. It's fluid. So that's uh, that's the function in our lives of uh, care, and so however we can bring it in, inviting it in, remembering it, or And one of the ways to cultivate it is to notice it in others when it's being offered, when it's there. So the presence... So this is really in line with, uh, in vipassana, in insight practice, in wisdom practice, the Buddha says, the instructions are, see the presence of this quality. Be impressed by the presence of this quality. See the absence of this quality. Be impressed don't react or judge. Just be impressed. Be really there when it's absent, to see how damaging <coughs> it is. You know, how divas- divas- div- div- devastating uh, it can be. And so, uh, we can see that it's actually a good thing to infuse everywhere we can. And so, in the mind, uh, bringing, uh, replacing the harsh voice with a kind voice. Is going to be really helpful as much as we can, mm. and it's a cultivation, but also in the different interactions, you know, in email writing, in text writing, in all the ways that we're relating to each other, you know, and notice it. Notice it when it's there. The Buddha, the first time he taught it, he taught it as a protection. So I don't. Do you know the story of how it, the first uh, sutra, and I'll chant some of it after. I was chanting some of it in Pali earlier but uh, monks and nuns uh, in uh, Asia go for the, um, uh, the rains retreat. So during the monsoon, I think the way I, I was told the story, how it came to be was to actually make sure that the, the monks and nuns who don't want to, to harm uh, uh, anybody during the rains retreat would actually not move so much, would stay at the same location, not to go in rice fields and places to, to hurt the the cultures that uh, were uh, so that's not my culture, that's not my experience so I don't know if that's I got the good explanation there but anyway, three months where the monks and nuns they stopped traveling around being mendicants and and, uh, renunciates who travel around begging for food and etc so they stay in one location so there was a group of um, monastics who went in the forest somewhere and they didn't feel safe in the forest, they didn't, they felt there was something strange about the forest. They, were, they didn't like the noises at night, they didn't like it, didn't feel good. So they went back to the Buddha and they said, could we go somewhere else because we don't like uh, this place. And the Buddha said, no, this is a good place. You can go there and I'll teach you this chant that I was chanting. Maybe not this melody, but th- these words apparently. He said, learn this and chant this, and this is going to be a protection for you. And the way I think about it with my Western mind is, and actually I got a real experience of this last weekend. I didn't make the link, but I'm making it now. Uh, I imagine going in the forest alone and being a little scared, you know. What would be protective for my mind? One of the things would be to bring to use the thinking mind, the imagining mind to produce uh, care and kindness, to actually ease. And in the story, the monks and nuns go back to the forest practicing uh, metta and suddenly they feel okay in uh, in that environment and they can actually relax and quiet the mind and gather the mind. Before they couldn't gather the mind concentrate the mind unify the mind with the heart and the body because they were you know scattered and scared you know and actually last uh, I was uh, I just spent a few days alone in the woods and uh, one day I went to do a, a, s- a ski trail that I had found on the map around where I was but because there hasn't been so much snow this winter I think at some point the trail stopped because there was it was going up, I think, uh, uh, spring or something. But anyway, the, there was no more trail. And uh, it happened that I left late after my day of study and practice. So I was it was 5.15, and uh, it was getting quite dark, and I didn't know where I was. And I knew I was a couple of uh, kilometers away, but not exactly where. And suddenly it was 5.30, and <laughs> it was 6, and it was really dark, and it was snowing, so there was no moon or anything but and I could feel like oh this is this is a serious situation because I'm actually I'm actually pretty far I'm not like and it's crown land there's no no life over there you know and I could see that my mind wanted to race and maybe go towards fear and I don't know if it was panic at that point yet but like there was a direction my mind could take was kind of tending towards and it was becoming really clear pascal you really need your energy you cannot afford you actually need to be extremely sensitive and aware right now you need to be your mind needs to be really quiet because you need to read the forest that you don't know so well and and by looking in the it was it was almost completely dark but i could feel at some point something like a an edge of Something, and I thought it looks like it was an old. uh, Somebody has been there on uh, with the uh, snow boots, you know. It looked like it, but I was not quite sure. But I thought that's the only little line I have (laughs) anyway. So I followed this, and I go up and down, and and I lose. I would lose it and look again, and say, oh, that's this little edge of on the side where somebody has walked. There's a little. I couldn't see anything else than just a little, and I followed, 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 followed. And at some point, I arrived at the top of something and I could see light. <laughs> it was like there was a cabin. And, I went, and then I went on the road and suddenly I had a sense, oh, this is probably the road that leads there. And, and then I found my way back. And uh, it was extremely important. I, I think it would have gone a different way if I had panicked, you know. Mm-hmm. But, and then I could see, like, oh, all my, all my practice is coming together because I can actually quiet the mind. I can see, like, oh... That's a very interesting situation. You know, and I'm thirsty and I'm hungry and I'm tired and I actually don't know where I am. And I'm going to proceed very really slowly and think. Oh, I feel like it's over there and I and I found my way, but I had to be really kind of kind, very very kind like I would say, okay my love, let's be very attentive here. There's a way out of this and if there isn't, you know, something's going to happen but Let's be really attentive, careful, my love. Yes, you know. And then, so that was a place where, anyway, it was helpful. I don't know <laughs> if the story. I didn't plan to say that. Let me. Uh, has the is the is it better that I read or, or chant a little bit? Because um, it's really hard for you to answer. Right? Um. Oh, I thought I had it. Seen it. Oh yeah, so the discourse has been translated in English by monks and nuns in uh, in England, and they actually put it in uh, in music. And they, they they chant it together. That's something they do da- daily, and it's uh, the Buddha's words on loving kindness, the Metta Metta Loving Kindness Sutta discourse. And uh, anyway, I'll try it, or maybe a part a part of it because it's long. Um, I don't know which part. I'll do the first part anyway. That's a different. Uh, you'll see that's more Western, kind of uh, taken maybe from uh, the Christian religion. And th- so they chart it. Stand. One of the monks or nuns will will s- start by saying, "Now let us chant the Buddha's words on loving kindness." This is what should be done. This is the Buddha speaking. This is what should be done by one who is skilled in goodness and who knows the path of peace. Let them be able and upright, straightforward and gentle in speech, humble and not conceited, contented and easily satisfied. Unburdened with duties and frugal in their ways Peaceful and calm and wise and skillful Not proud or demanding in nature Let them not do the slightest thing That the wise would later reprove Wishing in gladness and in safety May all beings be at ease Whether they, whatever living beings there may be, whether they are weak or strong, omitting none, the great or the mighty, medium, short or small, the seen or the unseen, those living near and far away, those born and to be born, may all beings be at ease, Let none deceive another or despise any being in any state. Let none, through anger or ill will, wish harm upon another. (coughs) And then it goes on, and just related to the practice we just did, it says, So with a boundless heart one should cherish all living beings. Radiating kindness over the entire world, springing, spreading upwards to the skies and downwards to the depths, outwards and unbounded, freed from hatred and ill-will. Whatever standing, whether standing or walking, very precise instruction. Whether standing or walking, seated or lying down, freed from drowsiness, One should sustain this recollection. This is said to be the sublime abiding. So standing or walking, lying down, whatever posture one is in, this is the sublime abiding. And in this practice of meditation, the second quality of compassion is also very much um, awakened or stimulated. I want a stimulated, yeah, I want to say in this because they go hand in hand. And the practice of uh, uh, mindfulness, practice of mindfulness of uh, bringing attention, clear attention to what's happening. They, they really fit well together, that a, a mindfulness that is caring, that is friendly is very powerful and as we know in the practice of uh, sitting for example, just if you have a regular practice of sitting uh, in silence and just attending you'll notice so many fluctuations in the heart-mind and in sitting we, we will it's going to be impossible not sit in suffering, not sit in difficult uh, difficulty of body or difficulty of uh, mind or heart state. Huh? We'll sit in discouragement. We'll sit in uh, confusion. We'll sit in resentment. We'll sit in uh, reactivity, in, uh, uh, in numbness, in uh, whatever other states. They're in shame, in uh, in in, in, uh, in uh, uh, loss in grief, you know, will sit in, in so many of these states uh, through a lifetime for sure. They'll visit us, solitude, loneliness. Uh, and so the teaching says that uh, compassion is not... I like this teaching for me, it seems very important, compassion uh, if it's something you happen to care about. like For me, compassion like, oh yeah, I want to be a compassionate being. And the teaching says compassion is not born out in a vacuum. It's compassion is the 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 is born out of a quality connection with what is difficult. This is how it's being cultivated, how it can arise in one heart. It's a quality connection. It's not a reaction that hates, uh, blames, uh, uh, rejects, uh, avoids, denies. It's a connection, quality connection that can say like, wow, this is difficult. This lower back ache, this sinuses, whatever they can be, you know, stuck or (laughs) closed down or or this is difficult. What just happened between me and this person? This is difficult. It's difficult to actually uh, oh, it's difficult to be confused. (coughs) It's difficult So not, I shouldn't be, how can I get out of this? It's just, let's take a moment first and feel this being is confused right now. That's a difficult state of mind to not know what to say in this case, in this situation. Let's take this in. This is a kind of uh, painful maybe, but it's an opening of the heart. It's an opening of the door of the heart. And so... uh, and often the problem is we don't get to choose. Okay, okay, everything's fine. I feel I have the right energy. Everything's in order. let bring something difficult so my heart can open. It's like the, the difficulty happens when a time where I feel like I'm a little off already, you know, like I'm not ready for this. This is not the time, you know. it's, it's The day's almost over. I'm tired. You, know, you don't say that now, you know. And yet that's when it's said or not sad, or, you know. And so the practice, uh, I like this because it, it, um, it encourages me. It brings me another um, version, another possibility, an uh, uh, opportunity for me. It's, oh, okay, if I do want to be a compassionate being, here's an opportunity, it's not happening as I want, inwardly or outwardly. You know, Can I actually slow down here a bit and just feel this, feel this? What does it mean, feel it? often feels coming back to the body, the body breathing, the chest area, the just checking in in some way. Can I feel this? This hurts. Because often when something is not going right, there's a, it's probably not the right word, but symptoms in the body, you know, the contraction of the heart, chest, uh, uh, breathing or the throat or the guts, you know, something... In the arms, and we might have different ways of feeling it, but a heaviness, something, and first to allow that to be known and felt. And often we'll say, we'll hear maybe that uh, meditation practice is very uh, kind of a nombrilist, like navel gazing, right? That's not at all how I understand this. I understand this as one of the ways to develop compassion is self compassion, which is as a, it's getting a lot more airtime these days. I hear a lot about self-compassion. Self-compassion book workshop. Self-compassion, because there's a recognition that self-compassion is welcomed in the field. You know, it's helpful not just for self but for others. If I can learn to care about this being, uh, then the idea is to actually be able to care about another being. Uh, I've known that for for me, the way the practice has unfolded is that I've, um, sitting with this being in confusion, sitting with this being in reactivity, sitting with this being with great greed, you know, like, I want, I need, I want, be happy until I get, and I better get, and the mind that's strategized to get and is obsessed about getting something, you know, recognition or or this or that, whatever it is, you know, Uh, that this is extremely painful, and that's how compassion has been developed. And so when I meet as a teacher, I get to meet with a certain amount of suffering when I talk to people. And and so now often the, the instinctual thing that arises is, oh, I know that. I've been in this place. I've visited that place. This is a really difficult place, you know? So I can actually, I feel that I can hear, I can offer the space. Even, uh, you know, part of my job a lot these days is teaching retreats and I'll have a group of people and it's it can feel heavy sometimes because in the silence the grief will come up or the difficult ways that we are with ourselves and our stories, you know, are there in the room. And often what I can rely on is my own experience, like, oh, I know this, I know that. This is difficult to be in silence several days sometimes often is you know it's difficult to do this work and i can actually bring a lot of calm and compassion and i don't feel exhausted and like oh this is this is the power of compassion i don't turn around i'm not like oh you'll be fine you'll be fine you'll be okay that's okay you too you will be all fine no 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 don't 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 think about this you know it's like yeah i know it's heavy to lose something you know it's really hard it's confusing Oh, yeah, decision- making, not easy. I've been awake in uncertainty. you know I've not been asleep or habitual or reactive or lust, or I've been awake in the middle of not being able to decide between A and B or C and D, or you know, I know how it is. Yeah, I know that. This is compassion. That's a space. The space of compassion is very healing for, for people. And so um, that's the other, the kind of color that, that can take uh, the caring, the friendliness, the friendliness that can allow uh, someone else to not feel good, uh, that is not, um, doesn't take it personal or doesn't try to fix too quickly, you know, but can create a, a, a space. Um, and so again, this is a practice, and we'll try it together, I don't know if there's any comments, questions, things to be named that haven't been named in the field of uh, metta and karuna. Karuna is the Pali word for compassion, if that interests anybody. I guess um, one small question that I have is, when we talk about self-compassion, it feels to me, my experience of the self, is that there are many many of them and um, sometimes I get a little bit um, it gets a little bit vague for me or feels a little bit abstract when I um, try to direct compassion to like the self and I'm just wondering do you ever get more specific about it? Do you ever direct compassion if you're doing self-compassion for example do you ever direct compassion to more specific sort of like sub-personalities or you know a wounded child self or a indecisive self or an anxious self or do you kind of cut the cake more finely yeah, yeah. like that ever, I, or? I don't, but no. I think it could work really well for someone, you know, it might be if that's one way that somebody thinks, creates, uh, you know, experience or perceive the world of self, you know, as uh, this is the little girl in me or the little boy in me or whatever, you know, that then I think that would be actually Absolutely appropriate to use the same kind of inner language, you know, or in, you know, to actually relate to one's experience. Uh, I don't. I tend to go towards more my my natural tendency is to go towards the universal. So I'll I'll name the state of mind, for example, oh, confusion. Confusion is hard for human beings to feel. And I have a privileged access to it right <laughs> now, apparently. <laughs> you know, so th- for me it's more like that. You know, it's, uh, it's the universal. It, it, uh, I like not making it personal. It seems like it's helpful for me to say, "Oh my God, human beings are so." You know, sometimes we get scared. Like, ah, oh, any, and it happens to be this one. You know, but yes. I think I might have an example of what he's asking about. Um, and I think it's probably more simple than a true meditation, but sometimes when I'm sitting with a problem and I feel all this fear come up, and I somehow learn just to say, oh, that's the injured child. Just hold the injured child. And it somehow... It works for you. Yeah, moment. Great. Beautiful. So again, I, my sense is in this practice, we can really follow our intuition, our instinct, our ways. It's really a matter of does it work or not, you know? Is it actually helping me here? And in Buddhism, very, in Buddhist psychology or in the Buddhist practice, very important, it's always, uh, it's always beneficial for me and for others, you know? So if sometimes it feels like it's beneficial for me but harmful to, like, that's really important to have a consideration for this, you know? And so is this actually hurting somebody else that I do this, you know? And so that's a tricky field also, and it's not always clear, but that's definitely the intention is always, is never like uh, against somebody else. It, uh, it's inclusive in this way. So with the time remaining, would you be uh, willing to try do another uh, meditation, guided meditation on uh, compassion? Mm-hmm. And again, You'll, it's guided so I'll be present in the I mean it's not that I want to be there so much but I want to create a certain experience and you'll see if it works for you or maybe it doesn't resonate or maybe at, not at this hour with your uh, energy or whatever you know we, we don't know we're, we're exploring and sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't and so to be useful with uh, yourself with me with the practice uh, with this. Uh, knowing that you can always let me be a, a voice in the background, you know, and do your own practice the way that feels right to you, that's quite okay. And so sitting here, just uh, feeling the body sitting, connecting with the senses, in the sense of touch, touch points with the ground, and we might uh, notice Areas where it's more difficult to be in the body. It's like tensions or aches. and Just see if they can be allowed to be there. But also areas of uh, well-being or comfort or ease. Sometimes they're not uh, as obvious. We need to find them. Tingling or the heat in the cheeks. The hands resting there, just the rest of the hands. The freshness of an in-breath. In this practice, uh, we also use the imagination here. You're invited if you wanted to uh, bring your attention in the chest area. It's often the field, the area where we will sense emotions more. the beautiful ones, joy and expensiveness or spaciousness of the heart and ease, well-being, but also the difficult emotions. When we're triggered in some ways. Often the heart will contract. And so imagine, if you want, in that area there, a little fire, a gentle little winter bonfire, producing gentle warmth. and light. Maybe if you want with each uh, in-breath, bring some oxygen to this fire to nourish it, keep it alive. With uh, each out-breath, if you want, you could let the light the warmth radiate into your whole body and outside, in front of you, around you. It's a, a little fire of compassion here and a fuel that works really well for this uh, beautiful fire. It's, uh, it's the fuel of what is uh, what is difficult. So if there is any ache in your body that you've noticed, with the in breath, you can uh, bring them in your heart, mind, and your consciousness in the compassion fire. And let it be uh, that's what this fire does it, it takes what is difficult and transforms it. Uh, transforms it into love and care and compassion. So if there are troubling areas of your life, uh, one of them you want to bring in where there is disappointment or uncertainty. With the in-breath you can bring that thought to the heart area and let it feed the fire of care and love so that it's completely transformed into caring qualities, caring energy radiating inside your mind and heart. Warming up the space inside and around you. With each in-breath bringing in uh, if you want something that is not easy the difficulties of your life or of somebody else that you know of experiencing difficulties in their health, relationships, work. With the out-breath, releasing all the love that comes out of this, the care, Knowing that you can always uh, stop feeding the fire if it gets a little too hot for you. Just take in the fresh air, feel the body sitting. Breathing in the difficult, letting it touch the heart, fire of compassion, and letting it be completely transformed into benevolent radiance, care. If you want, you can let the heart become the, the archetypal heart of compassion, the great heart of the Buddha or whoever else comes to mind for you, Mother Mary or any great archetypal hearts of compassion. You can let, if you want, your heart become this, come out of your chest, Even feel the space here, right in the center. Great fire of care and compassion. radiating warmth and light and care if you feel like you need to ease down just notice the sounds notice the body sitting the touch points if you want you can for a few more minutes explore as you see fit this heart of compassion that doesn't shy away lose balance. turning difficulties into courage and care and strength, To find any solution, but just take it in, allow it to touch the heart, to activate it, make it luminous, vibrant. Fire cool down now. If you want, feeling the hands touching each other or the knees, thighs. Feeling the touch points with the ground, chair, cushion. Blanket. Hearing the sounds of life here now. Letting go of imagination. Becoming more towards sensations of just sitting here. If the eyes are open, uh, are closed, so opening the eyes gently and letting uh, colors and shapes come in. And noticing that we're here in this location, on the street, in this city. Well-being, in freedom from ill-will, in freedom from affliction, in freedom from hostility, in freedom from anxiety, and may I maintain well-being in myself. May everyone abide in well-being, in freedom from ill-will, in freedom from anxiety, And may they maintain well-being in themselves. There was a little something in there that can help us uh, live and live together. And uh, so, maybe I'll uh, see you again uh, in the next month on this March 2nd. Thank you. Thank Thank you. you. Thanks. (laughs) I had all these chants going back to mine today when I was thinking about uh, the practice. (laughs) Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.